So, I'm at St Pancras Lock, open weekend, to celebrate two new whopping great lock gates being put onto the St Pancras Lock. And it's not just that, that the public have come to see. There's bird hide building activities for kids. Hello. There are guided walks. There's a chance to take a boat all the way to the Islington Tunnel to visit the London Canal Museum. The St Pancras Water Tower is open for the day with magnificent views overlooking the city. Even better than the London Eye and, uh, and it's free as well. And it was pouring with rain this morning at 10 o'clock and now the skies are clearing, the sun is shining and there's hundreds and hundreds of people come for this event. So it's going to be a wonderful day. Welcome to the Waterfront Podcast, brought to you by the Canal and River Trust and presented by the inimitable David Bramwell. My name's Sam Thomas, I'm the Customer Operations Manager at the Canal River Trust in London. Okay, so we're here at King's Cross at St Pancras Lock. We've got um, Canal River Trust Open Day. We've spent three weeks before this weekend actually replacing the bottom lock gates. They were 28 years old and they were leaking, so it was part of the programme time to replace them. So what we've found over the last five years of Open Days is actually inviting members of the public down to come and have a look at what we do. They get to walk down a staircase into the bottom of the lock chamber, see the original bed of the lock, the original brickwork, which is 200 years old, and talk to the engineers and construction guys and girls that are down there that actually do the work. These are new lock gates. These are new These ones. These are the new ones, so I know they don't they look shiny and new. Yeah, well, they don't need a clean come on they're going to be underwater but these are the new lock gates yeah so we have replaced these and they weigh about two and a half tons so we've had a big crane in and we've taken the old ones away put the new ones in so am i right in thinking that every pair of lock gates in the country have to be replaced every 20 every years? 23 25 years that's a massive job well it's a massive job but we sort of have a program but obviously sometimes gates don't last as long because of where the wet dry line is I don't get all technical but but the water line is at a certain level and depending how much movement there is with the flux in the water level the wet dry line is where the gates tend to rot does that make sense yes absolutely (laughs) Um, and there's a concert in here tonight is that right there is so you can hear that some of the sounds that are going on it's a sonic artist that's specifically composed a piece about the movement of water so it can be quite eerie I was here for the rehearsal last night and so I had a sneak preview but yes there is a concert tonight there are three separate performances it's a ticketed event but it is very very special and there are projections that are onto the lock walls as well as the sound and there are, it's it's quite magical, it's very creative and arty, but it is very absorbing and actually being in this dewatered lock environment is so unique as well, so it's a completely different performance space. And, and obviously coming down you're getting the chance to be part of history and see what it's all about and obviously learn the construction skills that we're still using today to do all these, these jobs. Thank you, thank you That's so much. Right. I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> I look after the teams that do all this work, so yeah, I'm responsible for the, for the teams that do all this lock gate changing. We'll take the old gates out, new gates go in, and we spend a week or so fitting the gates to make them watertight. So we bring them round to the seal, make sure they're watertight to the seal, up to the coins, cut the mitre, 
so that when we walk away, this gate will hold water back, there won't be any leakage. Uh, and that's the purpose of, of, of our job here. There's um, bits and pieces of brickwork behind the gates that you can't see that will be made good. Can I, can I ask who makes the gates? Yeah, we make them in-house at Stanley Ferry up in Yorkshire. So they're all bespoke gates. The guys will come out, they measure them. They measure them wet, believe it or not, so they don't, we don't empty out for them to measure. They'll, they'll use staffs and rods and so they make these gates completely blind underwater. Um, when we bring them down, obviously we put them in and then we, we make them fit. What's the oddest thing you've found when dredging? Hand grenades, safes, cars, camper vans, motorbikes. Um, yeah, it goes on. And of course shopping trolleys. Yeah, these are 4.5 metres by 3 metres. Um, they weigh just under three tonnes. Each. Each. Each leaf. Yeah. And you have to bear in mind, we're working on a rolling programme, so we're, we, we cover 2,000 miles of, of navigable waterways. Um, the guys know what their programme is, so they're continually ordering timber in, making the gates to, to work to programme and, and rolling them out. Civil engineers, if you don't mind. Right. <laughs> How dare you? In this modern day and age. Yeah. A few people have said we look like hipsters, but actually we're in period navy dress, you know, from a couple hundred years ago. Basically, the most important thing is that we've, we've got our, our, our trousers tucked in uh, or taped up so That's the right. rats don't get up our trousers. And, uh, and we've got uh, rope keeping our belts up to avoid some embarrassing moments while we're digging. You don't get builders' no, no, no. bottom with, when, we were, <laughs> when we were digging, oh. of course. Because that's a horrible modern modern affliction now. That's right. Of course, you've got to have your spade and a good line of rope. That's right, and yes. A, and, and is this a hip flask? This is my tonic. Uh, so it keeps the tonic in there, you know, to keep me... Because I get terribly cold if I don't have some. Yes. It's that shaking. You get the trembles. <laughs> what are your plans today, then? Uh, we hopefully do some selfies with some folk. That's <laughs> <laughs> all the rage That's these right, days. and maybe get That's a couple right. of kids doing some work experience and then a couple of hours digging, you know, to show them what real work's about. Absolutely. Great, That's thank it. you. Thank you very much. So we're in the old water tower by St Pancras Lock and curiously it's got a bar and a glitter ball hanging from the ceiling so I'm going to find out what, what this building is used for, clearly not just for holding water. I'm Kathleen from St Pancras Cruising Club. Well we have six open days a year for the water tower. Uh, where we open it to the public. One of them is always London Open House. And then Canal and Rivers Trust, because they were going to do all the work on the lock, requested that we have two open days this weekend um, so that they could make a big deal of it, which they have, and it's lovely. And we're, we're happy to have so many people here. And amazing view from the top, obviously. I'm looking forward to it. Next level. What a view. Uh, I'm Jim Crooks. I'm a member of St Pancras Cruising Club and the volunteer for the Canal and River Trust. Well, we've got great, great views and great views for people who want to understand about transport history. So, for instance, you have the canal behind us. 
you have the, the railway lines that were part of the beginnings of railways in, in Britain, um, certainly coming to London. You have the fact that St Pancras took the railway lines over the top of the canal, whereas King's Cross decided to go underneath the canal. And then bring us right up to the 21st century, you have the HS1 lines coming in, bringing high-speed trains from Kent and cross-channel uh, trains from all parts of Europe. This water tower was built um, on the lines just outside St Pancras station and the, locom the steam locomotives would have pulled up adjacent to this tower and filled their water tanks with water so they could steam off to all places north. And what's it used for now? Well, it was unfortunately when they did HS1 and, and produced all the, the, the uh, cross-channel um, lines, we needed to move it and it was going to be demolished. So English Heritage and uh, an organisation called the um, History of London Trust uh, got together and they said, why don't we move it? So it was moved 700 metres from where it was in, in, uh, in front of St Pancras Station to where it is today here. How do you move a water tower? Well, this particular water tower, the bricks are quite important and the mortar was very strong. So to take it apart brick by brick and rebuild it would have destroyed more bricks than it would have saved. So in, what they decided to do was abandon the bottom part of it where the bricks were quite badly damaged. So this is a new bottom part. And then the top two thirds were actually sawn off the top of the previous, when it was in the previous location. So we actually took a six millimeter saw, a diamond saw, sawed straight through the brick wall and then put a concrete girdle round the middle section and the top section. And those top section and middle section were then picked up 700 metres away by an 800 tonne crane, put onto a trailer, brought up Cowley Street, another 800 tonne crane here, picked it off the trailer and put it to where we are today. Good work. <laughs> to see the lock uh, being drained and you know another to see repair what's going on but the interestingness of seeing it seeing to the bottom seeing the brickwork yeah we just walked by i had no idea until we saw we met a nice lady at the uh, the new square at king's cross i'm amazed at how many people are here actually yeah it's really busy especially on a drizzly day like this yeah no people seem to really love be really interested yeah, yeah it's amazing to see some of the infrastructure that they maintain and it's just seeing it in a different way. I think the places that you see day to day, like St Pancras, from a different angle. So right now I'm taking this walkway. I'm actually walking on the canal, um, on, a, on a pathway that feels like the, uh, the Millennium Bridge, very wobbly and uh, heading off to meet a chap called Richard who's going to do a guided walk for us. I'm Richard Higginbottom, I'm a volunteer towpath ranger for the Canal and River Trust but the main part of my volunteering is running the Discover the Regions Heritage Walks. When the canal was built it bordered London. It was all built up south of here but this was pretty much open fields and so on and it all developed from 1814 onwards. This area was called Battlebridge 
Battle Bridge dates from the time of Boadicea. It's the site of her last battle. Boadicea had swept down from Essex on a spree, killed about 70,000 on this spree she went on uh, the way. Um, the Roman ruler at the time, Caius Plutonius, was up in the North Country fighting off a, Dru a Druid rebellion. Uh, he got back down to London double quick and they crossed swords here. Boadicea was not heard of after the battle. It's not clear whether she died in battle or she just went to ground. The, that rumour then gives um, uh, growth to the rumour that she's buried under Platform 8 at King's Cross Station. She might be buried a number of other places, but that's, that's where that rumour comes from. And so from that point on, this area was called Battle Bridge. From the towpath back to the lock itself, to meet Jamal, a face-to-face -to -face towpath fundraiser for the Canal and River Trust. Are you Jamal? I am indeed. Is that a good thing? Why anybody? <laughs> um, how I joined the team? I knew Mariana. She's the head of the, the fundraising managing campaign. Um, I needed a job because I'm a young dad. I've got many mouths to feed. Um, I had just finished at college or at uni and she was like, come work for us, it'd be great. So I was like, wet canals in the winter, asking people for money, I'm not sure. And then I got here and I saw the difference that we make kind of to maintain the space, it's, it's a local space that I use, that I love, that I care for. You can come and check on your investment every day, and even in the middle of the night, and check that the canals are safe, clean, accessible. There's not Barclays bikes floating around in them, or if they are, they get removed quite quickly. And so that kind of tangible, local kind of aspect of it really kept me here. With the migration, with the, so many people coming from Italy and Spain and Caribbean and Thailand and all these places, they come to London and they love it because it's great and it's the busy city, but they have no piece of home. They have no outdoors. They need a tree and a water. So they come down here and they're like, yay, this is great. So we get a million Italians a day coming to the lock saying, oh, it's visite kind of thing. And that brings interest from the locals. They're like, oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you. And what, what, is the, what is the hope of the trust for this weekend? Um, um, from my perspective, community engagement, awareness. People think that we're the fairies, they think that we're the local government, they think that we're the leprechauns, they think that we're the council. We are none of those, we are CRT. We maintain this canal, we keep it clean and safe with the help of the locals. We need their help, they're not gonna know. And not just financially volunteering and just for them to take care of their own space. You're on the canals, you've got rubbish, hold on to it. You've got some bins, chuck it in the bin down the road. When they see that someone's taking care of it, they're gonna join, they're gonna follow. Someone started this off, the Navy's built this or whatever. In 200 years time, kids hopefully will still be coming here to look at the bottom of the lock every 25 years. Thank you. Thank you so much. What's your name? David. David, it's a pleasure. Yeah, have a look, listen out for the, um, the podcast. I was walking around. I'd shot my daughter off somewhere and I was walking around wondering what to do. And I suddenly came across some canal boats and then some more canal boats. And then I found this walkway and I thought, what on earth's going on here? <laughs> and now I'm up here looking out. I never knew there were so many boats in London. This is a sort of secret world of London hidden away from everybody else you know mm. so this is fantastic you know and i've just been wandering around here i'm absolutely soaked to the skin i forgot to bring an umbrella but don't matter I've, I've not seen this before and i'm having a lovely time this waterfront podcast was produced by david bramwell with music by oddfellows casino it was a smoke creatives production for the canal and river trust if you like the waterfront podcast please leave a review for us on itunes winding through 2000 miles of beautiful countryside and vibrant cities, our unique network of canals and rivers offer vital havens for people and nature alike, because everyone deserves a place to escape. Visit canalrivertrust.org.uk forward slash friend to become a friend of the Trust 
and receive a wealth of benefits, discounts, and the beautifully produced Waterfront magazine.